Well, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 21. We're continuing, of course, our study of the book of Revelation. We've been seeing the end times, the eternal state, and we're calling really chapters 21, 22, the eternal state. We often think and we say end times, we think of heaven and being with Jesus forever, but eternal life is really an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. What we've seen already as we get all the way up to it, we have seen... If I can make this work here. There, we've seen the new heavens and the new earth. We've seen the holy city, New Jerusalem. We've seen the grace of God. We've seen rewards. In fact, last week we did about the first eight verses of chapter 21. This week we're just going to kind of stop and get a big overview of the eternal state. We're going to do chapters 21 and 22 today, just kind of put it together. Then we come back next week and we'll start back with verse 9 of chapter 21 and get going through that. So we want to see a kind of a big overview of Revelation 21 and 22. And, and what we want to do is do three things, and we're going to go fairly quickly through this. We're going to look at three things that are not in the eternal state, excuse me, the things that are not in the eternal state, the things that are in the eternal state, and then what does Jesus say about salvation? And we, it's at the very end of the Bible, and what we might say, okay, what does he say? What does he say at the end? So what is, what is eternity going to be like? I mean, for each of us that we're finite people, we start saying, well, how can we grasp something that goes on forever, that one day we'll be with Jesus Christ for all eternity. We've been seeing the end times, and we've given you the big overview. I want to remember, you remember the chart? If you remember, this is, this is of course, his Old Testament. This is Jesus Christ, his first coming, came to the earth to die on the cross, pay for sin, and rise again. That's, you know, the, the death and resurrection to, to be the Savior of the world. Then he ascended back into heaven. We're in the church age right now, the next event, and it could happen at any second. It's called the rapture, and Jesus Christ is going to come in the clouds. We, as the church, are going to be taken off the face of the earth. Uh, the Greek word for, for rapture, basically, is harpazo. So it means to snatch away. He's going to come. It says the dead in Christ will rise first when you are alive and remain. It'll be caught up together, snatched off the face of the earth to be with the Lord. That's the rapture. After that, after we are gone, then there's going to be a turmoil, a ten king federation, and it comes up to, to one man comes to power. We call him the Antichrist. The book of Revelation calls him the beast. He makes a peace pact with the nation of Israel for seven years. We've been seeing that in Revelation chapters 6 through 19 was the tribulation time period, all the things, the judgments, everything going on. At the end of that seven years, Jesus Christ comes as the King of kings and the Lord of lords to rule in righteousness and justice. This is the first coming to die. This is the second coming to reign. He will come to this earth and set up a kingdom that will last for a thousand years. We saw that in Revelation chapter 20, verses 3 through 6. We also spent one whole Sunday putting together the kingdom, going all back to Isaiah and other places, Matthew, to, to put together to give you more details on the kingdom because Revelation 20 doesn't give a whole lot of details. Now, after that kingdom, there's a rebellion at the end. Jesus Christ, of course, wins. And then there's a great white throne judgment where unbelievers are, are raised from the dead to stand before God. Their names are not found written in the book of life. They're cast in the lake of fire. From there, we move to chapters 21 and 22 of the book of Revelation, which is eternity. And what will it be like? What will we do? We're going to talk about things like that. Many people say, well, I want to go to heaven. Well, and realize that we'll be in heaven a short time because we're going to be on a new heaven and a new earth and a new city, which is called the new Jerusalem. And so what eternal life is, is eternal life with Jesus Christ forever. That's what it boils down to. And all who have trusted in Christ have eternal life because that's his offer. So the three, que three big questions, that what are the, the things that what we're going to look at? What are the things that are not in the eternal state, the things that are in the eternal state? And what does Jesus say 
about salvation. As we start, kind of get a little review. Last week we saw the new heavens and the new earth. Look at chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first death passed away, and there was no longer any sea. This is John talking. This is John, the, the one who wrote the gospel of John, first, second, and third John, the book of Revelation. He's the last of the apostles. He lived the longest. He's probably in his 90s when he writes this. It's about 95 AD. And he says, when he was taken up, he says, I saw this new heaven and this new earth. And then he saw something, oops, let me go back. He saw something else. He saw the holy city, verse 2 of Revelation 21. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So he saw, and we have already seen, the new heavens and the new earth. So what is all this going to be like? What, what, uh, what's it going to be like in this eternal state? So we're going to start with the things that are not in the eternal state. We're going to say, what are not going to be there? Well, first of all, there's going to be no sea. It, we'll talk about it in just a second, because sea in the, in the Jewish mindset was often confusion and chaos. Look at chapter 21, verse 1. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there was no longer any sea. We talked about it last week. It's really strange, because three-fourths of our world today is, is ocean and sea, but there won't be any. Okay, now that doesn't mean in the new heavens and earth there won't be water, because there's going to be, in Revelation 22, verse 1, there'll be the water of life. In fact, uh, if, if Revelation 22, verse 1, he says, He showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and from the Lamb. So there's going to be water. There won't be seas. And as I said, Jewish mindset, especially at the time of King David and then even later on, they looked at the sea as a place of turmoil and chaos. And maybe this is God saying, okay, I want you to see there's not going to be any turmoil or chaos anymore. There's what else is there? Well, the second thing that is, what else is not there? There's, there's no death. Jesus Christ had conquered death. And the verses, uh, if you if you read down to uh, verse 4, he says, of 21, he will wipe away every tear from their eye. There'll be no longer any death. There'll be no longer any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. So when we think about it, uh, that, that there'll be no mourning or sadness or crying or pain, because death is over. Jesus Christ has already conquered death, but death is the final enemy. A lot of people think Satan's the final enemy. The final enemy is death, and Jesus Christ conquers death, and nobody will ever die again. There will never be anybody who die. There'll be no crying or sadness or mourning. Uh, sin brings death. There'll be no sin when you're in the eternal state. There won't be people doing wrong. There won't be sin or death or sickness or disease or anything like that. We will be there with him no more morning, no sadness, no crying. Because we think about our world, and you think about what goes on, that people die, and it makes us sad, and that things get, people get sick, and all those things. We know that in Adam all die, but in Christ all will be alive. So he is the way, the truth, and the life, and there'll be no death. The third thing, and this is a sad one, there'll be no unbelievers. And what I mean by that, that they're unbelievers, but they're not believers. And, and so they, they won't be there. 21 verse 8 says, and... Um, but for the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, sexually immoral persons, sorcerers, idolaters, liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. They'll be separated from God. There'll be no unbelievers. In the eternal state, there won't be people who don't believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. There won't be people who will say, well, I don't believe in him. They'll be, they'll, everyone there will all be the same. And it's so sad that people reject 
the greatest message of all. I want you to think about this, that people reject the grace, mercy, and love of God. The grace of God, by Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's the grace of God we're saved. Mercy, not by Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness we've done, but according to his mercy he saves us. And of course, the famous verse, John three sixteen: God so loved the world. It is amazing that people would reject Jesus Christ and reject the love of Jesus Christ, how he died on the cross for everybody, he rose from the grave for everybody, and it's so sad. And let me just say this, that the message of salvation oftentimes is so confused that a lot of people do not understand what Jesus did. They do not understand he died and rose again, that he offers a gift. It is not works, it is a gift, and the gift is eternal life. Whoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. And it is that simple. And it's so sad to see people reject him, and sometimes people reject him because they don't ever get the message that's right. They, they hear, be good, try to do good, and God will love you or do something. And the truth is, no, it's, it's, it's faith alone in Christ alone. He is the one that saves and saves forever. So there'll be, for, when, when you think about it, there's, just, there's, not, there's gonna be, uh, there's no seed, there, there's no death, there's no unbelievers there. And in a sense, uh, we'll be glad that there won't be people who are in rebellion against our God because we'll be with him all the time. So let's look at the next thing. What else is, good, is not going to be there? There's not going to be a temple. Revelation chapter 21 verse 22 says, I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God the Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. There's no temple. And notice how he puts it. The Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And by the way, the Almighty, the way it's written, is for both of them. God, God the Father is Almighty, which means all-powerful. And the Lamb is Almighty, which means it's all-powerful. And the Lamb and the Lord, the, the God and the Jesus, are going to be there. And they're going to, in a sense, be the temple. They're going to be the dwelling place. Throughout history... God has wanted to be with mankind. He walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. He walked with Noah, excuse me, with Enoch. He was with Noah. Uh, he was with David. He was with Abraham. Uh, he was with them when they built the, te- the tabernacle in the wilderness with Moses. He was there when they built the temple with Solomon. He was there when Jesus was on the earth. He is there in the power of the Holy Spirit in us. What do you not know? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he's going to be there in the thousand-year reign in the temple. But when we get to the eternal state, there'll be no temple. There won't be a temple. Now, we're going to see that there's a throne, and we'll talk more about it in a little bit. But you remember in the vision that we saw in Revelation chapter five and six, uh, 4 and 5, when God takes us up, there is a throne. It doesn't say a temple there. It shows the throne of God. And we'll talk more about that. But there is no temple, uh, and, and that, means, that really means he's going to be right there with us all the time. Now, there's more that's not going to be there. And there's not going to be a sun or a moon. And we go, well, I like the sun and the moon. But the, the, the real thing is that God's going to light everything all the time. So there's no need for light because God lights it all. And uh, Revelation 21, 23 says, And the city had no need of a sun or of the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illuminated, and the lamp is the lamb. The lamb, of course, is Jesus Christ. There's not going to be need for a sun or a moon to be light because it's going to be light all the time. Uh, there's no sun or moon, and Jesus Christ is the light. He's the light of the world. The glory of God gives the light. John 1, 1 through 5, it talks about Jesus as God and all that. And it says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. He's the light. 
And that's what's so amazing that, that uh, there'll be no sun or moon because Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And think of what Jesus said. He said not only that he's the light of the world, but he told us to be lights shining in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. He said that we're to be lights and we're to live in such a way that we reflect the light of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's who we are. So no moon and no sun or the moon. And then here this course makes sense that he says there's no night. In Revelation 21, verse 25, he says, In the daytime, for there will be no night. And there is no night. If God is light, and he's always light, and he always illuminates everything, there'll be no night. And, so, and it talks about the city, and the gates will never be closed. And, and by the way, here's a thought. If there's no night, and, no, and the light's there all the time, will we ever sleep again? Will we sleep? Or will we need to sleep? You may say, well, I like to sleep. Okay, well, maybe we can get to sleep. And we could say, do we need to eat? We know when Jesus rolled from the grave with a glorified body, uh, he ate. We, we, we could probably eat whatever we want to eat. That sounds really good, doesn't it? That you could eat anything you want, anytime. And you could, I guess you could sleep, but, you know, not, there won't be a night. There won't be like a day and a night like that. There's going to be time. I'll tell you how we know that in just a minute. But there won't be a, a, a day or a night like that. And so there's no night. There's no sun. There's no moon. And let me just show you something that in, in Scripture, darkness usually has an idea of sin and light, usually has an idea of holiness. In the Gospel of John, the author who wrote this book as well, he says, if men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil, and it has that idea that darkness in the Scripture has an idea of sin, where light in the Scripture has an idea of holiness and righteousness. And so he says, there won't be any darkness. There won't be anything like that. And, 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 so, and then he says something else. He says there's nothing unclean. Chapter 21, verse 27, and there'll be nothing unclean. No one who practices abominations and lying shall ever come into the city. Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And he says that only those who are in the Lamb's book of life. He says there's nothing unclean. And that goes back to tying in with there's no unbelievers, there's no sin, there's not anything like that. The only people in the eternal state, and there's a city, and we'll talk about it in a minute. The only people in the eternal state are believers, and we will be with him forever. So it's so great. And then there's one final thing. There's no curse. Revelation 22, verse 3 says, For there are no longer any curse, and the throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city. Now, the, the world is cursed. Je Jesus Christ came to the earth to die on the cross to pay for the sins of a fallen world. And he was cursed. He was in our place and died in our place. The world is cursed. You go back to Genesis chapter 3 in the fall. Adam and Eve both had consequences. Satan had consequences. And the whole world itself was cursed. And it's fallen in that sense. It's beautiful. We say sunrises and sunsets and those kind of things. But the world itself has fallen. There's sickness. There's disease. There's uh, all kind of different things. There's sin. Uh, there's natural disasters. There's uh, droughts. There's floods. There's earthquakes. There's all kind of things in a fallen world. And the curse is going to be gone when we are with Jesus Christ forever. Now, you've got to realize this is not a story. This is true. There's going to come a time when there won't be any, anything like this. There won't be any seed. There won't be any death. There won't be any unbelievers. There won't be a temple. There won't be the sun or the moon or night. There won't be anything unclean. The curse is gone. There will not be any curse. And so when you say, what, what's missing from the new heavens and the new earth? All of that's going to be gone. And that's really, really good. And we'd say, well, that's really positive in one sense because it means God and his righteousness and love and everything, and we'll all be there together. Now, I want every one of you to be there. By faith in Jesus Christ, you have eternal life, 
And eternal life is life forever with Jesus Christ. And when we not only get to spend spend with him in that thousand-year reign, we get to be with him in this eternal state. So I hope and pray that every one of you in this room, that you have believed in Christ for eternal life. It is not your goodness. It's not your works. It's not trying to be good to go to heaven. It's not trying to keep a law. It's not trying to do anything. It is simply believing in Christ for eternal life because that's his promise to you. Now, so what's not going to be in it? All those things. Well, what's going to be in it? What's going to be in the eternal state? Let's talk about the things that are in the eternal state. And I'll just have to go fairly quickly. What are the things in the eternal state? First of all, it's going to be the city, the holy city. Look at chapter 21, verse 2. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. He sees, John is taken up, and he sees this giant city coming down out of heaven. It's called the New Jerusalem. And uh, verse 10 of 21 says, He carried me away in the Spirit to a great high mountain, and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And some people say that it never says it touches the earth. It says like there's a new heaven and a new earth, and here comes the city, and the city comes down. I think, I probably think it's going to touch the earth. I mean, I don't know why it wouldn't, but it just, it says he saw it coming down. He sees it coming. And so uh, that, that's a question, just something for you to think about. What is this city like? And I'm going to go quickly through this because starting next week, we're going to go verse by verse and we'll see it all. But the city has high walls. Now, I want to tell you something and we'll see it in a minute. The city is 1,500 miles high. Okay? That's pretty tall. That's a pretty tall skyscraper. Okay? So it's gigantic. It has walls around it and the walls are 260 feet high. Now that's, that's high for a wall. A 10 foot wall is high. This is 216 feet. Now, surrounding a city that's 1,500 miles high, that wall probably wouldn't look that big if you're away from it. But if you got close to it, that's a really tall wall. It's 72 yards, 144 cubits or 216 feet. And, uh, it's, it's, it looks like, it's, it's just amazing looking. It's like jasper. It's like pure gold. And, and Revelation 21, verse, Verses 19 and 20, he actually describes to you what, what it kind of looks like, and we'll see it more in the weeks to come. It has, in that city, 12 gates. 12 gates, uh, Revelation 21, verse 12 and 13, it basically says, uh, and there were 12 gates, and at the 12 gates there were 12 angels, and the names were written on the gates with the 12 tri- names of the 12 tribes. And so there's, at the gates, there are 12 angels, uh, 12 gates, and there are 12 angels. And also, the names of the gates have the, tri- the number of the 12 tribes of Israel. What's he doing? He's showing us, look, the nation of Israel, his chosen people that he chose from Abraham on, they're going to always be with him, and they're going to have gates around the city. The 12 gates have the names of the, of the tribes of Israel. It just shows they're his people. And at each of the gates is, a, is an angel. And listen to this. This is amazing. Each of the gates is a pearl. The gates are 12 pearls. Each gate a single pearl. Listen to this. Uh, Verse 21. And the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each of the gates was a single pearl. Now, can you picture that? You think it'll be like a round gate, like a round big old pearl? Or you think it'll be a gate made out of pearl? I mean, whatever it is, you've heard people say forever, go to the pearly gates. Well, where do you think they got that from? They got it from here. Each gate of the city will be a giant pearl. 
I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, how that's going to be, but it's amazing. So we've seen that there's a wall and there's gates, and then there are foundation stones of the wall, Revelation 21, verse 14. It says the wall had 12 foundation stones. Now listen to this. And on each of those stones were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. That's of the church. They've got the 12 names of the apostles. So on the gates, you've got the names of the nation of the tribes of Israel. And on the foundation stones, which you can't tell whether they're on top of each other or they're all the way around the building, it's the names of the apostles. And what he's showing us is the nation of Israel and the, and the church, the body of Christ, are all going to be together in this amazing city. And so uh, it's just... a. a, a incredible when you start looking at this and what you want to do between now and maybe next Sunday, just start reading, especially read chapter 21 because that's what we're going to look at and be able to put that together. Now, let's talk about how big the city is. Uh, that's the 12 tribes, 12 apostles. How big is the city? Revelation 21 verse 16 says, the city is laid out as a square. Its length is great as its width and he measured the city with a rod and it's 1,500 miles length, width, and height are equal. So you understand, it's 1,500, the, the city, 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles wide, and 1,500 miles high. I mean, it is unbelievably gigantic. It would be like a city starting at Los Angeles and going way past Dallas. That's just the, the city, the, the wall of the city. It's just unbelievably huge. And it's like a it, some people say it's a giant cube. Some people say it's this long, this long, and then it goes up like a pyramid, 1,500 miles. It doesn't say. Nobody knows exactly. But it'll be a giant city. And that, so the city is huge. Now, there's another thing that's there. The streets are made out of gold. Revelation 21, verse 21 says, And the twelve gates are there, and the, uh, basically the twelve gates are twelve pearls, each one of the gates a single pearl, and the streets of the city were pure gold like transparent glass. The, the gold, you could sort of see through. Now, you know, think about what mankind values on earth is gold. In the, in the holy city, it's like pavement. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, yeah, it's the ground. And, and this seems to appear that you can almost see through it, or maybe you can. And so you've always heard people say, streets of gold and pearly gates. Well, there they are. It's in that city. And let me just say this. Some people say, is it really going to be golden streets and big pearls and all that? I think it is. Now, if it's not, maybe it, whatever it's going to be is so amazing we couldn't grasp it. So he puts it into things that we might could understand. But I still think it's going to be whatever we see here. So it, it's just... Uh, amazing thing. So that's the city. And let me quickly give you, there is also the river of the water of life, Revelation 22, verse 1. He showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal. Listen, the water of life is coming from the throne. It's coming from the throne of God. So there's going to be the throne, which has the Father and the Son and the 24 elders around it and the four living creatures and all these other angels and everything else. That's the throne. And coming out from the throne is going to be a river, the river of the water of life. And listen, that's what it boils down to. The river of life is the, uh, the salvation message. You're saved by the, the living water. You know, the little booklets that we hand out all the time are the, called the living water because the Gospel of John, when, especially when the woman at the well, and he said, if you knew who was asking, if you knew who was talking, you would ask and he would give you the living water bubbling up to eternal life. That's what he said. And she didn't get it at first, but she got it later. And so there is going to be the river of life 
in the eternal state. There's also going to be the tree of life. Revelation 22 verse 2 says, And in the middle of the street on each side of the river was the tree of life. Now watch this. And we're going to see this more in maybe two weeks. Bearing 12 kind of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. Now, there's going to be time. There's going to be a tree that bears fruit, a different fruit every month. The best we can understand, this is the, the, the fruit of the month tree, right? Okay, so the, the, every month. So there's going to be time. And everybody says, well, in eternity, there's no time. No, no, no. Eternity is the extension of time goes on forever. There's going to be time. There's going to be months because every month the tree's going to put out different fruit. And there was a verse that we'll have to, the, have to look at it and we can't look at it this morning. I have to look at it maybe in a couple of weeks that says, and the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. What does that mean? Guess what? Nobody really knows what it means. The healing of the nations. And you know right there, there's going to be the nation of Israel and the church and the nations that come before it because there's the nation of Israel, the church, there's all the other groups. They're all nations. They're all coming together. And we'll talk more about it when we get to it. But nobody really knows exactly what that means, the healing of the nations. And then the fourth thing that, you, that will be there is the throne of God. Revelation 22 verse 3 says, There'll no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it. There it is. Wow. He's there, and uh, he's going he's gonna to rule the God, the Father, and the Lamb. They're going to be on the throne, and they're going to be with us forever and ever. God rules for all time. Now, think about this. For all eternity, the holy city, the river of life, the tree of life, and the throne of God, all there together. And people say, wow, that is amazing. What are we going to do? Think about this. What are you going to do for all eternity? I mean, I mean, everybody kind of pictured that you're like an angel and you got wings and you're sitting on a cloud. No, we know that doesn't true. We're not angels. We're people. And we're not sitting on clouds. There's a new heaven, a new earth, and a new city. What will we do? According to Revelation 22, verses 3 and 4, it says, And the throne of God and the Lamb will be, and his bondservants will serve him, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads, which means we belong to him. We will serve him forever. Based on how you serve him now will be your area of authority and service in the kingdom and your area and authority of service in the eternal state. You want to hear him say what? Well done, good and faithful servant. When you stand before him at what we call the great uh, the judgment seat of Christ to be rewarded, we don't want to stand there and be embarrassed. We want him to say, well done, I have something for you to do. That'll be in the kingdom and in the eternal state. So let me get the last part real quickly. What does Jesus say about salvation? In 22.13, he says, I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's everything. He goes on to say that I'm the offspring of David, and he's speaking to John, and here's what he says. He says, whoever wants to take the water of life without cost. 22.17, listen to this. The spirit and the bride say, come, that's us. And let the one who hears, go ahead and come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who wants to, who desires, take the water of life without cost. Salvation never costs. It's always free. It's always a gift. God does it all. He gives us eternal life as a gift. Salvation 
The key to salvation, the water of life is offered without cost. It's the grace of God. The gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Never take it for granted. Always understand that when you're presenting to people the message of salvation, it's not what they must do to be saved. It is they believe and take a gift that's offered to them. That gift is eternal life because what Jesus has already done, paying for the sins. We always say the story of the Bible is how the perfect God brings sinful man back to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. That's what he did. Jesus died and rose again, and whoever believes in him has eternal life. Real quickly, let's realize that we, what will not be in the holy city, no sea, no death, no unbelievers, no pain, no mourn, no crying, no temple, no sun or moon, no night, nothing unclean, no curse, never going to be. It's gone. It'll never be in our lives again. It'll never be for all eternity. Let's realize that what will be in the eternal state, the new Jerusalem, the river of God, the tree of life, and the throne of God. And we're going to go in details on those as we go through the chapter. And then let's serve Christ now just as we all get to serve him in the eternal state. Just remember that uh, there are so many Christians who think the main thing, you believe in Jesus, you go into heaven, that's all you got to do. Well, when you stand before him, he's going to say, what did you do with the gifts, talents, and abilities that I gave? you. You want to hear him say, well done, faithful servant, good and faithful servant. Serve him now. And then number four, let's understand that salvation, the water of life, is without cost. Everyone takes the water of life without cost. Uh, I said it earlier, if you've never understood, if you've never believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life, right where you're sitting right now, You can say, Lord, I believe Jesus died and rose again for me, and I'm believing that he gives me the gift of eternal life, which is simply by faith. You believe in Christ for eternal life, and guess what? That exact moment, you have eternal life.